Hello and welcome to Telerotor RC. This is episode nine, titled "So You Crash." Yeah. <laughs> this is Full Monty, and with me I have Michael Shaggy Rage Test Milk Jug. I can't listen to that, <laughs> Parker. I did not crash today, but I did chip <laughs> up my tail blades. You didn't crash today. Oh, you did. Wait. Get introduce me. You're an asshole. And I don't love you anymore. We can't be friends. This relationship my, is over. My grumpy. I didn't introduce him to Paulo. I, I'm awake today. I ain't grumpy oh this time. Oh my gosh, this is starting off. Someone so else is having a bad day, so I'm enjoying myself. I think you've been awake since Friday after you ran down a small piece of wildlife in Virginia. Bambi went for a spin cycle in my wheel well. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, that was a $500 deer. <laughs> <laughs> a little small. What? I hope for something bigger. What did you do? Is a deer? Yeah, really? You, oh, you were some... Oh, Bambi jumped out at the last minute, got his head... Oh, you know, maybe it might be a little bit graphic for a podcast. I guess, hold on, hold on. Uh, NSFW warning for, like, the next one minute. All right, so, you know, go, go to Virginia. Go get some fingerprints for my job. And, uh... Bambi jumps out and gets his skull stuck in my wheel, and then he, ta- he takes a couple laps around my wheel while- as he goes on a spin cycle and blows my bumper off the side of my car. Oh, Yeah, at least it was how about that? How about that hood line? Did you get that figured out? The hood line? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Now nah, I find out what bracket's bent. I just gotta take it off and bend it back tomorrow when I pull the bumper off for the body shop. Mm. It's, it's a nice bend. It's vertical. So it's easy to pop it back into shape. There's no actual creasing or anything, so we're good. Poor Bambi. That's how I go hunting. Apparently, I can't hit anything with a shotgun, but I use the front of my car, and it works great. <laughs> <laughs> so last time we recorded was May 13th, which was a Friday, I believe. No, May 13th was a Sunday. I don't know. Hey, whatever. We recorded a bit ago, and this is a re-recording because we recorded on Monday, June 4th, and uh, I accidentally had the wrong microphone selected, and the audio was... Not even remotely usable. Unfortunately, which was a full two and a half, no, three hours of, uh, yeah, fun stuff gone. <gasps> no, it was only like two hours after after each one of you wasted an hour trying to get here. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, was, I was not having a good time there. I was, And I did all the f***ing talking. Lots pretty much of did. talking. Anyway, so, okay, back to many, 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 many weeks ago. Yeah, what'd you do since last weekend, Shaggy? Last last week. What'd you do? Last recording. Now I did a lot now that we have another extra week uh involved. So I'm basically gonna go all Spill these- the beans! I am the beans are coming out of the can. I wanna see your beans, Shaggy. Oh no, here we go again. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna gobble your bean. I'm sorry. <laughs> Please continue. <laughs> Make me a sandwich! All over your bratwurst. 
Oh, worst. All right. That's right, so what you got. Okay. You so, uh, basically, since the last recording, I um, had a opportunity to uh, I got you got a call from um, Casey, one of the one of the guys at our club. Uh, about a uh, opportunity of flying a prototype uh, UAS or UAV, whatever you call it, uh, at this weird competition thing that's being held at the club. So I was able to take off work and went out to this thing and basically was able to pilot this uh, this big 800 millimeter size bicopter uh, with two T-Rex 700 heads I on think top that's of pretty it. cool. Yeah, yeah. Two T-Rex. They, so, they, so the competition was basically an organization they're trying to get uh, they get grants out to different people to build a UAV or whatever to do certain tasks, mainly for search and rescue for, um, repeaters, you know, like cell phone repeaters for natural disasters and stuff like that. So they can have, they can be in certain locations, fly in certain directions, locations, everything like that, and maintain a certain position for a long period of time. So that's basically the, the, the goal of it is to build something, build a design, build something unique, very functional very unique you know something that that's going to work uh trick was or the 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 catch was they only had two months each team had two months to build this so there was 10 teams that was granted uh the funds and everything to build these projects only three teams actually showed up to the field uh so this was a very 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 stiff competition the team that I was on were actually from India one of the guys on their team wasn't able to make it their pilot wasn't able to make it so uh, they needed, at last second needed a pilot. Casey contacted me. I was able to get off work and spent three days helping them out and, and pilot, piloting the aircraft. And it was, it was a pretty cool experience. I actually really enjoyed it. Of course, the aircraft didn't fly 100% stable like it should have, uh, because they were having some, uh, their, their, their programming board was, or their, their, their gyro was, was having, Having some problems, and on the last day, eventually, unfortunately, quit. There were problems. There was some problems. There was some problems with it. I was able to fly it, and it was cool, but I wasn't able to actually do the whole entire like competition. You know, the the whole procedure moves uh, because we were just trying to work out the bugs, and we were getting it better. And then they used a Pixhawk, and the Pixhawk took a crap on the last day, and that pretty much ended the flying. Luckily, it didn't crash. Thank God. But it, it was still a cool experience. I mean, it, it was so, yeah, it was a custom, 100% custom bicopter airframe, uh, two giant carbon plates, uh, two millimeter, and they had some stiffeners in there, fully made out of carbon. Uh, and they had two T-Rex 700 kits. They used the whole entire head six, uh, system, the cyclic and everything, uh, 800 millimeter rotor blades. And they had a, it was all powered by a OSGT60 gasoline engine. Uh, the, the whole bell clutch system was all custom CNC you know, made. Uh, it was it was a very unique, uh, unique design. Actually, I give them props for for that for designing that. Literally drawing out in CAD and everything, making all the parts, and then throwing it together within a two month period. Uh, it flew. It did fly, which is very impressive. But it just they needed more time to be able to be successful. Uh, and that's what they didn't have. That's what all the teams didn't have. Um, only one team actually was able to on the last day were able to somehow, you know, win the whole entire thing. They were not doing good at all but they were able to win uh the competition while the team i was on and another team we weren't even able to qualify unfortunately uh or you know disqualified for being scored uh the other two teams they they had generic you know or not generic but you know they had just basic x8 quads with you know eight motors so very eh, plain design boring design 
the bicopter was the most unique design there, and I was definitely happy to fly it. Uh, basically, talk with the organization there on the stuff they do and everything and what they're looking for, and uh, I'm talking to some of the higher people there and possibly maybe even uh, looking into progressing into a career of doing this. This is something that was very fun uh, to do, and what I liked about it is it separates work and hobby-related stuff. So if I'm able to try to find a career into this, uh, I can separate the two really easily. They both use the same components and everything, but I can separate uh, work-related stuff versus hobby-related stuff. So that's I actually want to try to look into possibly getting a career into designing this kind of stuff because it was definitely a lot of fun. And, and uh, the people there were were that, that ran the whole entire thing were very, I mean, they were very open to you know, these just people of that do this kind of stuff. So, you know, the hobby related stuff, they're, they're wanting people like that. So it was, it's very cool. And I definitely want to try to take advantage of this opportunity and try to go for it. So it was definitely worth, uh, worth the opportunity on flying that just a whole new, another unique thing of flying. I mean, it's a giant helicopter between two 800 heads. It was pretty cool. Yeah. It sounded cool too. Big OSGT 60. So, so anything else? Um, just that. So, well, I mean, that's the main thing. I mean, I did a lot of flying in between. I did a lot of flying there. Uh, no, oh, yeah, none of those people saw 3D flight at all. Like, even the people that built these things, they're, they, all they do is they do mo- mostly, you know, software development and programming and stuff like that. So, you know, they're flying with the computer. Radio stuff, you know, okay, maybe some basic stuff, but they don't really, they've never seen full 3D, you know, without GPS hold or anything. So... I went up there with with the fireball and the 500 and just smacked the crap out of them. Uh, Mike, uh, Mike DePaulo and uh, and and Monty, they were they were there as well on the first day and they were flying in the backfield. Mike took out his jet and did some epic speed passes there and wowed everybody there. Uh, so you know they they were amazed by you know, yeah it yeah. was fast in a circle. Hey, it was still fast and it sounded cool. It sounded like a real jet. Everybody it's was more impressed. fun doing. It's more fun doing dumb things with it like pop tops. Yeah, but to people that don't know anything about what this hobby really is, they were they were really really impressed. So, I think they got a new opening on what the hobby side of of of, of these aircrafts are capable of versus just hovering in a circle for hours and hours on end. You can actually do stuff with them. So, that was quite a bit of fun. Uh other things that I've uh that I've done is I've uh, done some flying um, on a Monday that was our original recording day. I went out flying with uh, Kuniki Powerline Mark. We had a good old time there. A few other pe- people came out and kind of came and gone. Mark and I were mainly out there flying, having a, having a blast, putting on some flights. I went live with on the tele- uh, on the Facebook page on Telerotor. Uh, if you might have saw that, just having a good old time. And then so I come inside to record this episode. And what does he do? Powerline plows it in the ground. I'm calling you out, Powerline. He plows it into the ground. That's unfortunate. As we are talking about I heard of it. Can we can we get like the uh the play by play on this? Okay, okay. So what do you want to hear? Like, like a lot like the over detailed one, but, but what happened when he just like was doing some cool stuff and then just rip. Uh, by what I heard, because I literally, literally walked inside, started recording, 
And then we were waiting for, I think, uh, no, I think it was you. We were waiting for you. You had to go do something. I went back outside and I see Mark next to the ground with a pile of rubble. And, uh, he basically, by what he told me, he rescued himself in the dirt. He tried to bail out, rescue went on the fritz and bailed, it rescued him in the dirt. So that was since last Monday. Then we got a whole nother week involved in that. I'm not going to go crazy, okay? Just so you don't have to whine or anything. Uh, I got a few things to actually have done. Um, well, one, I actually booked my flight for RCH in 6 in September. Oh, this is important. Yes. This is actually important. Yes. Yes. See, I got stuff See, to talk this about. See, is, is this the stuff I want to hear? Yes. This is what I want to hear. Yeah, I, I got my flight Shut booked. Shut the f*** up and talk about it already. Yeah, so I got my flight booked. I am going to RCH in six. It's official. I am going, and I can't bail out because I just paid so much money for that flight. So it's going to happen. And a funny story about you that. You better not be the guy that smashes within being there for five minutes. So yeah, I got my flight booked. Uh, I'm very excited for that. Uh, gonna, you know, give 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 the West Coast a try. I've never been to the West Coast. I haven't been to this to a second time zone. So let alone all the way to the other side of the country. So, I don't know what's wrong with you two guys, but, you know, maybe if you guys actually want to be men or anything and actually go, that'd be great. But if not, you know, I, I don't mind going without you guys. My situation is complicated. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of things that are complicated, but I'm still going. Yeah, well, considering that my wife considers this hobby to be a bit selfish, when I ask her for tickets to go back to... uh uh, Oregon in Washington area where I grew up at. Um, it's kind of, uh, it kind of really is kind of selfish if I go there by myself yeah, and take your family. Uh, bring family. But then again, I'm married and I have five kids. Take them with you. So what you thought your ticket cost, could you imagine paying for seven people to do that travel? You want to see a man go broke in one week? That's how you see it. <laughs> I'll be selling helis just to get tickets. <laughs> Shows up to RCHN, had to sell helis to get there. <laughs> <laughs> it's cheaper for me to fly my mother out here. <laughs> it probably is. Questions will be asked. But, you know, Justin will still give you crap, though. Anyway, so... Tell Justin to pay for the ticket. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just told him. Uh, so, the next thing after that is... Pretty much. Oh, okay. So today I did fly today. Uh, well, yesterday I flew. I got the new real. Bl- uh, no, sorry. I got a new um the Rotatech blades, main and tail blades for my fireball. Rotatech. And went out and tried them before work. Early morning shift. Went out to kind of where my uncle's at. It's on the way there. Farm field. Corn is about two feet tall. And you soiled it. And I had to break the rotor blades in, so I I I got green on them. I made them green blades. And soiled it. Took pictures. Soiled it. Uh, soiled it. <laughs> uh, I put them on, and of course, good old Bob Heaster says, eh, there ain't even no video. Ain't, it didn't happen. I was like, okay, well, you know, it's going to get real. I'm going to make a video tomorrow morning. It's like, all right, do it. It's like, fine, I will. So go out this morning, uh, early morning shift to work, pulling over, and I start doing it. It's misting, but whatever. I strap my uh, cell phone to my hat. So I can, you know, have motion tracking and all that stuff, you know, all that high tech fancy stuff. Nope. Just stick it on my hat. Done. And you know, I actually thought about doing that. Well, so what I did. Okay. So if you put your cell phone on there and I took a rubber band and I went around my head and around my hat, 
uh, it will lean up and it'll kind of point straight up. So I took two blade holders and put them in between there to kind of give it elevated uh, forward a little bit. So it's it's perfectly lined up with the brim of the hat. So it's more straight and it worked out. Uh, I got a video, cut some, some corn. You know, the corn is still small and young, so it's not going to be very harmful on the blades. A little bit older and it's going to be too hard and it's going to start damaging blades. So it's at right at the, the perfect uh, perfect age right now. Put on a great flight and at the very end of the flight, I come on in and wasn't thinking. Gravel road, small helicopter, carbon tail blades. I land. Oh, that's how it happened. Oh, I was trying to figure out how you shredded your gosh. tail blades. Second flight on these tail blades. And I land in. I hear it hit a rock. I see the rock get, get thrown. I was like, ah, crap. And I look at it and it just took a big chunk out of one of my tail rotor blades. So I was like, that's done. If it was a plastic, it would have bounced, but. Sold it. Yeah, I did. So I got to order new, t- new tail blades. Uh, but, you know, video's out. And prove to Bob that, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah that, I, I did it. I, I, it was real. I, I, I don't care. I'm gonna freaking fly in the corn. I honestly, fe- soiled it. I honestly tried to put it in. I really did, but, <laughs> but it's a fireball. I don't care. I got 182 flights on that thing. I am personally trying to All destroy right. it now. All right. What else? We still got two people to get through, though. Yeah. So what else? Uh, go, Mike. I'm done. All right. So this is this is from uh, the UAV thing, right? In the onwards. Sure. Yeah. The NIST thing. The NIST. Okay, so if we're talking that, yeah, I, I went down there, flew a little bit, but before that, I went with uh, went with Monty to the Heli Domination that the Fluvanna Boys put on. That's a pretty fun event. The rain spooked a lot of people away, but we still uh, got a lot of good pulls in with the night towers. So that was a pretty good time. Yeah, we're showing uh, Sean Wilcox and all those dudes. And uh, let's see, what was it? The weekend after that, same weekend we did outreach, right? So we went to a big corporate picnic and we did a. Uh, did a whole lot of really cool uh, outreach, you know, did some demo fights and stuff like that for some people, buddy boxing folks, a lot of cool stuff. A lot of people really interested, especially young folks. So I was, uh, I was, I was pretty good. I enjoyed that a lot. It's a lot of fun. And uh, I trying to think, what else have we done after that? I don't think I really done much. So just going to the field and making some headway on the micro glow and some other projects. Yeah, I think that's about it, honestly. What about you, Monty? I'm writing Kanuki that he isn't very professional because he talks about shaft size. <laughs> There's Mark's new profession. <laughs> shaft Smith. Once, just once, you go for service and they aren't very professional and talk about your jack shaft. <laughs> so if you guys are int- if you guys are wondering what the heck we're talking about, I regretly posted this uh, this thread on the Heli Hangout. Rumor, don't lie, you don't regret I it. I regret it now. It was great. Basically saying, rumor no, has it, don't. Mark Koenigke it will great. polish your jack shaft for 10 bucks. He corrected me and said 15. It escalated hey, from there. Shut the f*** up already, would you? You're wasting my time. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I regret yeah, it. So, uh, I showed up Monday and checked out the NIST thing. It was a lot of fun to see people's different takes on that. It was cool to see. I think the biggest thing I took away from it is uh, those guys thought we were freaking psychos flying our helicopters oh. like maniacs. And yeah, there we're was not, that. We're not, we're oh. not wrapped in oh. chain link fence That's and right. everything else. That's right. They had a crap load of, of, of like safety precautions, yep. which was outrageously crazy. Yep. It was, a, it was above and beyond is, uh, is, is, is uh, not very descriptive for just how crazy they were about that. 
Government um, man, you know how that works. Yeah, they yeah. and doing range checks that and was, stuff. <laughs> that was of course uh yeah, we went to Heli Domination. Um few hardcore guys came out, checked it out, had a lot of fun. And despite the weather forecast, our, our good friend Daniel Mernane uh came out The Machine. Oh dude. The machine. Yeah. He got twenty flights in during the day. Uh and not one of them was like at dark and questionable light. He got them done. And then, uh, yeah, we fired up the light towers, and he flew some more. I flew some more. Yeah, we did our outreach on Sunday, which was really great. We got a lot of flying in. And, uh, yeah, that's when we showed up at a, uh, back home, our home field, and talked about this stuff a little bit on that Sunday. Um, yeah, that was a wild weekend. There was a lot of craziness going on. There was. Uh, past that, um, on the free time, I've usually been trying either to uh, – Practice the uh, F3C Schedule P maneuvers. Uh, I've been uh, training a new a new heli pilot. Uh, I've been buddy boxing him, training him. Uh, I know today I was helping a friend with a uh, Contronic telemetry telemetry installation on his helicopter. So he got a tell me module from uh, our good friend over at uh, uh, Only Fine Heli, Shannon, and uh, he went ahead and got Shannon. it installed today. So um, that was fun. What else has there been? Uh, we all we did uh, that last weekend. Um, what the first weekend of June, Warbirds happened at our home field. Oh, so yeah. Mike and I decided to run south and uh, hang out with friends and fly to another field. Um, I've been practicing my skills at just sending it with the uh, Thunder Tiger Raptor ninety. <laughs> oh, that thing's um, so sketchy. <laughs> yeah, it's getting its life. Uh, I wouldn't say it went into the shop for a uh, full. Uh, what would be that restoration? It, it's come. It, it never went in the shop for a full street restoration. It, it came to the field and, hey, that doesn't seem to be right. Let's fix it. <laughs> so send it. Yeah, sadly, the best way to find parts for Thunder Tigers these days seems to be eBay, especially the older helis. So he's getting parts for it and just making our way through it. Um. Yeah, past that, um, there was a <laughs> we had a fun club meeting the other day, mainly due to noise, um, and how certain people enjoy sleeping and not being awoken. You don't get those problems at heli events. <laughs> I don't think I've heard yeah, one complaint at a heli that, event. Um, the age isn't the problem. It doesn't seem age is the problem. It seems that um, it's clientele, man. It's attitude, attitude towards life. It's all about the uh, the clientele. Any 3D event I go to, everyone's like, yeah, three in the morning. <laughs> Honestly, yep. heli guys are probably going to get butt mad if I say this, but the 3D plane guys can hang. They are pretty goddamn insane. Yep. No, they, they, they are. can be. I don't think they'd be butt mad. I think we'd be happier to see more of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Like the heli guys, like, I thought we were the craziest. Like, nah, maybe not. Think again. I want to see a fun fly where it's 3D. Just bring them all together. Yeah. It's like get a plane hovering and do freaking like yeah. pirouetting uh, hurricanes. He used to do a lot of cool stuff with Tavis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen him in a while. I haven't seen him in a while either. I hear he's big into stocks now. <laughs> I figured he'd be out in the uh, shed playing with his Dodge. <laughs> <laughs> his diesel. <sighs> so I guess that kind of brings us to the actual podcast, huh? Are you sure? Yeah, I think, I think everyone's spilled their life story. Do you want to know why we named the episode? Uh, I'm not repeating what he said. Okay, I didn't crash. Mike didn't crash. There's one person here. Mark did crash, but that's not that's not the main person. That happened when we were going to record. We we were recording the episode. 
Who crashed? Monty? Spill it. I freaking sent it to the ground. Oh, dude, that was epic smash. And it wasn't his. <laughs> it was OPP. good. That's the best part. <laughs> yeah. Best I get slash to pay worst for part. a heli I don't own. Yay. Well, technically, you kind of do own that heli. Okay, heli crashes. M- Rob, talk about what you did. Uh, I was doing some testing of a gyro, and I was more advanced testing, so I was I was throwing the heli around quite a bit for me. And um, threw into the ground. <laughs> I had uh, I had finished up some uh, full speed elevator flips, like in place elevator flips, and uh, yeah, I f***ed up the orientation and and started doing corrections, and I corrected it, and all was well. Headed upright, nose in, and then I did one more stick movement, and it was a wrong stick movement. I followed that up with another one and sent it uh, nose down into the ground after doing a backflip. It was um, yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> if it if you think that thing's kind of cool, but yeah, smashed the hell of it. So you know, it was as good as time as ever to do a, a do an episode on uh, smashing a helicopter. What way better way than to waste three hours talking about everything else besides smashing? Um, which really leads us into the main topic. Or no, we haven't even done heli news yet. Yeah, we're getting news first. Yeah, news. Um, News. Oh, you're done? Okay, news time. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll go through the six topics really fast. Goblin Kraken. Check it out. It's out there. Goblin 770 Sport. I uh, see more videos of it. Uh, Bert's been posting. Pre-order. Fusion 480. Horizon Hobby. Another uh, 500 class helicopter. Goblin Jets. They're big. They're made of carbon fiber. Jet guys might jet guys might be really excited for him. Who knows? I wonder if we can get some new program to new ESC program for programming your Scorpion ESC. They released it. Uh, apparently, it's uh, future proof for another ESC line that Scorpion's bringing out. And last but not least, recent news: Hobby King get wrecked. Uh, the FCC wants two point eight million dollars from them as a fine for ignoring them about selling. Uh, radio equipment that is uh, illegal to use in the United States because it doesn't follow the frequency guidelines set forth. Yeah. <laughs> I got a little mad there. I got a little bit of news on the 480. Okay. Everyone, buckle in. Here comes all the details. Don't fall asleep. Okay. So, talking about the Fusion 480, new uh, Blade product here. So, uh, basically, about this this model here, uh, it is a true 480. You know, four runs 480 millimeter blades. So with this new 480, they uh, they use the same optimized servo geometry as they did with the uh, the Pro series, the 700x. Uh, you know, it's the same servo geometry there. Servo, same servo layout. Uh, in this model here, uh, for servos, they actually just have it set to run full scale, full size servos. Uh, this one is belt driven. This is actually a kit. This is not a pre-built model. Uh, it does look like some parts are like the head may be pre-assembled. I'm not sure if it's like fully like Loctite and everything fully assembled or if it's something that's just assembled together and you got to take apart and then Loctite everything, grease the bearings, all that fun stuff. Not 100% sure about that, uh, but it is an actual kit. You do have to build this. Uh, a few other features about it. It's got a heel cut main gear and it uses a, a steel uh, motor pinion instead of like the brass ones. Uh, mainframe. 
So they use two millimeter, uh, two millimeter thick carbon fiber for the mainframes. The skids, I'm going to be honest with you guys, I cannot stand the look of them. They are probably the worst looking things I've ever seen. And I'm going to be full honest there. Uh, let's see here. Um, oh yeah, the boom diameter. It's like a 700 size boom diameter. So there's no need for, uh, boom supports. The motor, uh, recommended size motor here. They're saying 4319, 1300 KV, roughly in that range there. Talon 90 ESC is what they recommend here. So, you know, typical 500 around the 100 amp, uh, low voltage range. Uh, it's got a aluminum battery tray. Uh, with two oversized battery straps, so you can do you know the uh, linear wise uh, length down the battery. Uh, batteries between six uh, S LiPo thirty seven hundred to five thousand milliamp batteries is the range that they tested on this model. Uh, one other thing on the model that uh, they didn't really explain much on the video, but is blade length. It's four hundred eighty uh, main blades. Didn't, they didn't explain if it can run bigger, like true 500s. I have no idea if they had the blade clearance to be able to run true 500 millimeter blades. I hope so, because that would definitely be a lot more efficient where you can get a bunch of different blade, blade sizes. But of course, there is a lot of blades out there that are in that 480 millimeter range. Uh, any, any news on this, guys, that you want to add in? Nope. Okay, moving on. <laughs> uh, and then move on. I mean, the Kraken, yeah, I mean, it's... It's there. Oil bath main gear system. We haven't really seen much about it. It looks cool. Sounds weird in that Trek video. Yeah, I mean, that's it. I mean, it looks cool and it's all carbon fiber. We haven't seen anything about it. It's got a weird tail pitch slider, which is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. It's got... They, they went back to, like, the old school style. Uh, the servo geometry. Okay. On this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick in here. It actually looks like a giant fireball. Fireball. The servo geometry of two s- vertical servos and then a horizontal servo laid out looks like a giant fireball from the head standard of it. I'm not sure about the inner components, but they didn't ex- they didn't show the insides yet. But it looks like a giant fireball. Okay, main topic. What you got? Yeah. How did you crash, and what you do with your stuff when you crash? You smash the shit out of your favorite helicopter. It's in pieces. You're picking it off the floor. You're looking at this garbage bag like, what the hell do I do now? How did this happen? Yeah, maybe you're weird. You like smashing your shit. I mean, some people like burning their cars, but, you know. Uh, there's always waffle stomping. There's um, always waffle stomping. <laughs> so you crashed. First thing uh, first thing I have down on here is what caused it. You got to do a little bit of NTSB. NTSB. You don't want to again. Do you, did you dumb thumb it while you're too low? Did you hit a, a low voltage cutoff? Did something come unplugged? Was it mechanical? Was it orientation? Was it radio related? Also, was your gain set to 360 degrees a second for a 700 size helicopter? Yeah, also <laughs> bad. Don't do that. Your boom also disappears. Um, all this, all this goes into, you know, the first thought of, okay, why did this just happen? Uh, you know, I've, I've experienced times where, I was eight minutes into a flight. It was 30 degrees out. I hit full negative to climb out and LVC kicked on. That was the cause. Uh, I did an auto. I didn't do an auto. I wasn't very close. So I ended up autoing into a crop. Oops. Um, oops. <laughs> Basically, the, the main theme is you want to know. You want to know why it happened so it doesn't happen again. Again. Yep. We've all seen, all three of us here, I'm sure people at Fields have seen, the dude crashes, he's like, oh, damn, whatever. He fixes the damage, it's apparent, slaps that shit back together, puts it in the air, sends it, and then kaboom, and then you're picking pieces up again. Yeah, this is the same as the last one. I wonder what's wrong. 
I wonder why. Yeah, yeah, usually is. So, with all that in mind, things to check. Uh, as you walk up to the helicopter, um, are your receiver or satellite LEDs, are they blinking any special codes? Yeah, don't you turn it off yet. Yes, don't unplug it. Don't turn your radio off. Yeah. Did you lose signal in some way that uh, it would be good to know about? Is your ESC making any chimes? Uh, anything like that? Is it, you know, is oh, yeah. beep codes. Especially like beep codes. Yeah, beep codes is definitely key. Is your ESC making any noise? Is your units flashing random sequences that is not normal? You know, look them up. Is your satellites flashing? Touch the satellite. Is it not? Wiggle the satellite wires. Is Are they flashing then? Because, you know, you know, the spectrum. <laughs> yep. Other things. So, you know, or is anything going on? Is the ESC making beep chimes that you need to remember before you power it off? You know, remember these things. Make a mental note. Uh, make a note when you get back to your – get back to the pits. Write it down on a, on a note on your phone. Something so you can remember it later. Look it up. Try and figure it out. Um, the only time when you really need to unplug it really, really quickly is obviously if you're if – you're, models like burst into flames because the lipos uh, got got punctured or something and obviously can't really yeah you can't really do anything about that so just yank them out and unplug it and then just figure it out from there try to maybe test on the bench later but yeah in situations like that if it's not that then leave it plugged in um yeah if you got servos binary or something i'd even say to unplug the servos before unplugging the battery if you can that way you can get to the bottom of uh what's going on there um you know, as you get the as you get the heli back to the bench, if you can transport it, you know, still plugged in, um, you want to check your servos, your gyro, uh, the battery voltage. Are your battery voltages proper? Uh, check your wires. You know, check these things. Make sure that you know they part of the cause of your crash. Are uh, are you sitting there going, I don't know why? I mean, these are things you would check if it's something other than a dumb thumb. Um, for a reason why the crash happened. I got a really good example here. And actually, I didn't mention this in the last recording either. So that Monday when we were recording, a club member came out with American Eye flying. Uh, his name is Lamont. He went out there. He was going to fly one of his new uh, local 500s or 550s, I think. And he went out and started flying and it was fine. And then it started porpoising uncontrollably. And he wasn't doing it. Then it stopped. And he shouted, I was like, oh, that wasn't me. And, you know, Mark and I like landed right now. And he's like, I don't know. It seems fine. And then it did it again. It's like, okay, I'm landing. He lands it, pulls back to the bench, and he's wiggling his servo wire and the elevator servo is jumping. Just randomly jumping. That could have easily caused the crash. So if, if, if it was to go in and you see that obviously, you know, your servo is the cause of, of, of that crash. Uh, it was just the servo was, um, it was rub the wires were rubbing and eventually just caused a uh, a, a short break every once in a while. Uh, and there's another thing with when it comes to wiring, it, a servo could rub against carbon, and it could it could fray. And carbon's conductive, uh, carbon is conductive, so it's going it's going to interrupt that signal. <laughs> it's going to interfere, and it can cause a servo to jump. It was that wasn't the case because it was a plastic frame, but the wires were rubbing with each other and it created a small short, which caused the servo just to jump. So that's another thing you have to you have to check is definitely just make sure you wiggle wires, check them all, see where they're routed at. If you have a bare spot where that's not protected with either shrink wrap or the the braided mesh, if you have carbon frames or anything like that, or sharp rounded or sharp edges, uh, to make sure that those areas are not nicked or anything. Yeah, big thing here is if you know if if you're doing a dumb thumb, you know what caused it. Um, these are the things to check afterwards to see damage. If you were too low and you did a maneuver. 
and you didn't really dumb thumb it. You're just too low for the maneuver. Well, you know what caused it. Um, you need to be honest with yourself. Yep. Um, you know, a lot of these other items are, uh, a lot of these other things are things to check after you're staring at your radio going, I don't know what happened. (laughs) Um, and these are things to investigate. Yeah. Um, yeah. So definitely under the investigation, your receivers, your satellites, your servos, your gyro, uh, battery voltage on receiver packs and your main packs, um, the wires, the wires on the model. Um, those are, those are electronic things to check. Uh, after that, we start getting into just damaged things. Um, I'll start looking for uh, our spindles bent, you know, your main shaft, your feathering spindle, your towel output shaft. Any torque carbon tube. cracks. Carbon cracks. Um, are you missing linkages? Uh, do you need oh, to go yeah. back out on the field and hunt for them really quick so you can get back, you know, maybe a perfectly good linkage that was popped off? And depending on the kind of crash or how big the hell he is, you should probably just replace them. They're cheap. And there yep. can be cracks in them you don't see. Yeah. Like a, like a 450, 500 size, whatever. If it's, if it's not bent or it's not like kinked or anything like that, it's obvious, just send it. But yeah, uh, bigger I stuff, usually, oh yeah, replace them. Yeah, I usually do the pull test. Can I pull it off easily with my hands? If I if I can't pull it off easily with my hands, then typically it's good to go. Um, if it pulls off with my hands, you know, and I'll tug on them. Relatively yeah, hard, yeah. T- t- time to leave. Yeah, I'll wrap two or three fingers behind him and pull him. Yeah, because I mean, if you, yeah, I mean, a good ball link, you can't really pull off with a decent amount of force. It takes all, you got to like hold the model and really rip it to try to pull a link, a good linkage off. Yeah. Oh, even then, there can be a crack along where the threads yes. are because you've got pressure, residual pressure from the threads being cut. So if you just pull straight out on it, it might be fine, but then you apply actual tension, like downwards away from the link, and it could rip right on out. Yeah, yeah. or it's so, pushing deeper. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, take take yeah, take them, especially like power up the servos and like that, and just take your swash and stuff and try to really move it, uh, and move your blade grips and everything to make sure that you know, that 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 tugging force make sure yeah, it doesn't like, hold the blades and see if you can still move them. Yeah, exactly. Another thing, if you have any, uh, there's also another way to check out some, uh, uh slop. In the linkages as well as uh, in your swash and in your uh, servos. Yeah, I would say a good link doesn't um, a good link when properly fitted. Uh, <laughs> mm. I know uh, dealing with the synergy, it's damn near painful to pull them off with my hands. Don't even get bother. That, Just get, get that five point five millimeter balls, boy. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I say next, start checking uh, spindles, linkages. Just start looking for anything missing you may need to go grab off the field. Um, you know, sometimes things will come off the model and be like, I really need that, uh, you know, like a boom, or not boom, uh, canopy mounting parts. You know, maybe you got a, a magnet or a pin, something that's come off the model and you could, you know, get it back and it would not be damaged. It just left the model. You know, those are all things you want to check after you crashed. Um, there's a whole bunch of other things, but yeah, I think generally, as you notice, as, as mentioned, look for cracked parts, cracked parts, missing parts, tweaked parts, um, feathering spindles. You know, I think everyone's heard it. Take a driver, spin, spin one end of that feathering spindle with your, with your favorite driver to see if your grips move in some weird motion. You should see no change in the gaps between the blade grips and the rotor head. And you have to really um, go slow and really look to be able to see the slightest wobble if it is slightly bent. Don't just like spin it and just like, oh yeah, it's good. But make sure you look at it properly. 
Yeah, I'll spin them fast to see if I can see it, and I'll also spin them slow just to see if I see it. Uh, the type of crash you do will really kind of tell you whether or not you um, the feathering spindle is is is, is tweaked or bent. Um, you know, like this crash ahead with a 516, uh, that helicopter went in, nose down, blades hit the ground very well. The main shaft was bent. The feathering spindle is bent. It's not bent, bent, but it's tweaked. It was for sure tweaked. You can see it. Uh, about the only time I end up with question, questionable feathering spindles is auto's gone bad. Yeah. Um, auto's gone bad and I land the model, but the, I'll have like a, a, a blade contact with the ground and maybe a boom strike. But I've had a boom strike where I've only broken like a rudder control rod hangers. I've broke a blade and I've lost a link. But I didn't dent the boom. I didn't lose a boom. <laughs> and at that point, you know, the feathering spindle is definitely questionable. It's hard to see. It's one of those things that at some point you just go, yep, the waddle's wobbling. I need to replace that feathering spindle. Uh-huh. Or you beat up the bearings. So like V-blocks are real good lathe with a dial indicator. But honestly, for most people, just a known good piece of glass will tell you a lot. Yep. And a flashlight. You'd be surprised at small so you can, things you can see with that. You know, one of the things I, I saw uh, play with that 516 uh, feathering spindle, uh, guys, was um, we let it roll uh, for some distance down a very long piece of glass. Uh, we were able to angle the piece of glass. And... Um, it always rolled one side and it was like exponential in its roll. It, it didn't, Uh-oh. it didn't like instantly do it. <laughs> oh. So, so as it rolled, it started turning right and it was like, huh. So I flipped the spindle 180 degrees and I rolled it down rolled the, the, rolled it down way. the glass. It rolled left. I was like, Bad. that's quite clear as yep. bad. That's done. It didn't roll straight down the, it didn't just roll straight down the glass. Um, but yeah, it was, that was interesting because a lot of times uh, different glass, uh, different glass and, and such things, I, I don't see it. I just start replacing spindles because they're bent. Um, also, if you got damage with your rotor head, one of the one of the things that usually takes a pretty good beating are the thrust bearings. The thrust plates will get dense in them. Yep, and not normally just because it crashes, just just usage. They will get dense over time. Yeah, I know this is probably going to cause some contention saying this, but you don't always have to replace them. There's, it's really you have to look at them. <laughs> <laughs> some people will agree with you. Some people will disagree with you. But it's 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 really your own perspective view yeah, on it. Yeah, I mean, because it's use your best judgment. It is. I mean, because it's really just it's the it's the, yeah it's the direction of the force in a crash. Usually, if you smack a blade, it's the radial force. But really, you're pulling the whole thing apart anyway, as you should. So honestly, it's like you, you look at the thrust bearing, you check the plates that they run in. You know, you look, are there any dents, any divots? If you press them together real hard, do they turn smoothly? Because right. they get divots in them just from being used. Oh, yeah. Over time. And that can cause all sorts of wobbles and havoc. Radials are pretty much toast. One of the first things I'll do is pop the links with the rotor head still together, and I will see if the if the individual blade grip rotates smoothly. Ah, uh, yeah. Or do you feel notches in it? If you feel notches in it, your thrust, your thrust plates are done. You need new thrust bearings. That's yeah. the first one to tell you, even before you start taking it apart. If you get kind of it locks. Yeah, that's even that's even like, hey, you got a model in the air that's wobbling. That's a quick check. Pull the blades, pop pop a link on the blade grip. Let the let, let, rotate the blade grip freely. Do you feel notch? Does it pop into places as it as it hits those notches on the thrust plates? That's a dead giveaway. Your thrust bearings are done. 
Um, because, yeah, the thrust plates are hitting those different spots and it'll cause wobble in the model as the servo's trying to overcome the force going on in that rotor head. Creates excess vibration as well. Uh, I mean, the wobble will, sure. Um, the other part of that is, is yeah, if you start getting in that rotor head, um, if you've had the model in the air for any substantial amount of time, you usually find the radial bearing closest to the damper is, is, uh, is notchy. And then, of course, your thrust plates in that last radial bearing. Those, those radial bearings, if you've had it in the air for some substantial time, you'll find that, uh, I didn't actually break them in the, I didn't, I didn't beat it up in the crash, but they needed maintenance anyways. Yep. Yeah. Next thing, uh, next thing to that and actually in the head is going to be dampers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those just get worn out after a while. That is another probably use your best judgment part through place. I'm going to put my own perspective on this on here. On the E7, I rebuilt it from a crash from a gyro going wonky and causing it to crash, uh, losing tail. And I obviously replaced it, you know, built built it back up, replaced the uh, the dampers and all that fun stuff. Twelve flights later at Urcha, I crashed it again due to my own my own fault by boom striking it. Wasn't going to replace them because they are 12 flights old. But of course, talking to Rob, why risk it? They may be hard. They may not be soft from wear, but you had a, a huge hard impact on it. It's going to cause maybe some divots. Maybe it may, one side may be softer than the other. Why risk a 700 size model that can cause you so much time and, 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 and you're wasting a precious flying time trying to get this wobble out when it could be just your dampers. Also, it's probably one of the cheapest parts to buy. So I went ahead and replaced them. Now, on the fireball, for instance, I smashed that thing right into a fence. Even my feathering shaft slightly tweaked. I've put 150 flights on it since then. No problem. But again, that's a very small helicopter. Even cheaper part. Why didn't I replace it? Just didn't feel like taking the head apart. Uh, the larger model, I am going to do that because you, you know, with the larger models, you're going to have more problems that could occur. If I remember correctly... Um, your dampers had marks in them, uh, like permanent marks in them, uh, after that crash. That was yeah. the reason why I said, yeah. bad juju. <laughs> Go ahead and replace them. They had marks in them. And I didn't want to because I just replaced them, but there's times where you just got to suck it up and just pay the extra $5 and get a new set. That or just waste a bunch of time trying to find, trying to tune it to that, to that way when you really could just be replacing it and be fine. And, and that, that kind of talks about a last part in this that we'll get into a moment is once you go to maiden it and you actually find you have issues, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, the next thing up is usually like, uh, these are kind of things when you get it home or you may have it at the field and you want to check it out is you may take the rotor head off and all, if, if the model's still in good shape, I'll spin it up and see if the main shaft shows any wobble on spool up. Um, I've seen a few that as you start spooling them up, you'll see the very top tip of it start wobbling, or you may see the swash plate, uh, wobble around a little bit. Um, if you look at the anti-rotation bracket, you'll see the distance change of how far in the anti-rotation pin is through the, through the anti-rotation bracket. Because a little hula dance. Which is a clear sign that uh, the main shaft got tweaked. Yep. The main shaft got tweaked. Um... Because if you think about it, your swash plate is kind of floating there on that shaft. It can, it can move backwards and forwards and side to side a little bit uh, if there's tweak in the shaft there. So yeah, those are things I'll look at. Was to say that you like like a feathering shaft. 
what's to say you can't take a main shaft and put it on a glass and try to roll it down and to see if it's bent, see if it goes either direction. Well, there's two occasions where that may not be possible. Every model is different, obviously, and some main shafts have a center or not, not even in the center, but a little permanent hub like the Align helicopters. They have a little lip, metal lip that's probably three fourths down a shaft. Obviously, that's not going to work. So doing the whole rolling on glass isn't going to really work for a main shaft. Mainly is just going to be, you know, the best thing is try to spool it up yeah. on the bench. See if it has a little bit of wobble. If you can't quite see it, if it's that small of a wobble, keep, you know, go up on your head speed. See if the helicopter, if it starts getting to that, that harmonic where it starts vibrating violently, then you'll know. Yep. It's definitely tweaked. Yeah. I'm definitely looking for the main shaft tweak. Look at the swash. Look at, um, uh, just look at the end of the shaft. I know the next part is usually if I start pulling the main shaft out of the model, after I get the main gear and auto rotation gear out of the way, I'll drop the main shafts back through the bearings. And I don't necessarily use the how easy it goes through the bearings as a measurement, but I'll bring the main shaft down to the bottom bearing block. And I won't put it through the bearing block. If it's if it's not easily going through, it's that makes it kind of easy here is I'll put it down on top of that bearing and I'll rotate the shaft slowly by hand. And what I'm looking at is for uh, an air gap uh, that I can see through on that very bottom bearing. And does that gap change? Because you'll be funny as you rotate that shaft, you may find that gap changes and all of a sudden it'll drop through the third bearing block, the very bottom one for the main shaft, which is very clear. Yeah, you got tweak in that main shaft. Um, and it's just right to be able to, to drop into that bearing and in other spots it won't drop through. So that's a good sign. Again, your main shaft's tweaked. And yeah, you just see that, just pull the gears out and drop it back through and twist it slowly. Look for the gap between your third bearing block and, and the shaft. You may see a little bit of, a uh, little bit of daylight through it. Take a flashlight and see if that gap changes at all. It does. Yeah. You get yourself a tweaked main shaft. Um, the other thing, once I'm there, I know if I have hard autos or even like a hard landing, you break landing gear. Sometimes all the weight of the rotor head will smack down on all three of those bearings on, on your on your uh, main shaft. Um, if you start checking those bearings, you're going to find they may fire like crap. It happens. Usually it's a top bearing that, that takes the full brunt of it. Uh, yeah, most definitely. Top bearing is first. And it's then, always first. And then the middle and then the lower. I've had the top bearings go out just from long periods of flight and the, the other two are just fine. Like, especially the Urcha crash. When that thing went in, uh, it went in sideways, you know, disc was vertical and went in and it the only bearing that was bad. That was not you was that top, uh, top bearing block. The other, the second and third bearing block, they were smooth as butter. It's just that top one. Assume it's trash. It's easier. Yeah. Assume it's trash. The big thing I would say there is to remember, you have a lot of weight at the end of the main shaft where the rotor head is at. And that bearing is first up to feel that weight. Um, even if you're not slamming the heli down, it's the, that bearing is the first one to feel it. Just like um, for the guys who get into playing around with motor bearings, you may find that one motor bearing is almost always wasting itself. It has to do with the weight of the motor can, just putting it on the motor as as the forces try and send it. Um, is a way is a weight tries to send it around in odd in odd motions that the bearing doesn't deal with well. Yeah, next up is the output shaft on your tail. Um, on that one, uh, again, I'll spool it up or I'll just spin it by hand. I like to watch the tail pitch slider. Does the tail pitch slider do a hula hoop as you move it uh, 
you know, to far to the far ends, to all the way out to the tail hub, all the way into the tail, uh, the side of the tail case. Does the does a tail does a tail slider do hula hoops? If it does hula hoops, well, you get yourself a bent output shaft. Just before you even get it off the model, after that, if you do decide, if you decide to take it off the model, you start checking bearings. Roll it down glass. Uh, most of them don't have lips on them, so you can roll them on on glass. Or yeah, as as uh, DePaulo mentioned a bit ago, almost any of it if you have the tools. Um, v blocks, V blocks a dial indicator. Um, it's a nice ultimate. I know you start talking about just uh, quality control and how much run out a shaft can have on it. Um, usually it's less than two thousandths is uh, one of the quality controls that usually happens on a model. You start getting over two thousandths of an inch of run out and you will start to see wobble be induced into the model. So that quality control usually happens in the factory. So if you start checking your parts and you start seeing over two thousandths of an inch of run out, you get yourself a bench shaft or not good enough or tweaked, whatever. Something ain't right, basically. Yeah, something ain't right. And your shaft is a good a good item to go ahead and replace. Um, next up's a torque tube. The fun thing is... Oh, gosh. Torque tubes can have tweak in them pretty much out of the package. Most of us have slapped a torque tube in, no matter the manufacturer, without a tailcase on, spun the rotor head and saw that the 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 end of the, the torque tube does a circle. <laughs> so I don't necessarily go blaming torque tubes right off the bat. Um... If you pull a torque tube, usually what I'm looking for is there any noticeable bend marks. And I'm talking like creases. If there's a bend mark or a crease, that torque tube's trash. And I will I will trash that torque tube. If the torque tube is noticeably tweaked, but I see no creases, I will use my aero rod straightener and uh you know, tweak the torque tube. Tweak the torque tube, tell it straight. Carefully. I will say that um and I've I've had long long conversations with with Rob on this on uh, straightening out torque tubes. There is times where, especially if you have the arrow rod straightener and you think you can tweak one out, there is times where you may be working on one, trying to tweak it, you know, trying to straighten it out, and you just make it worse. And it's just better off buying a new one because I've done that, and it's so aggravating. So it's not worth spending hours and hours trying to straighten one out. Buy a new one. Yeah, uh, most definitely. Take some spare torque tube and play with one one day. Um, there's not maybe times. You will more than likely screw up a torque tube and make it worse than when you started. <laughs> and when you do that, then you just take that torque tube, cut it up, and use it for skid tubes. Because most of the time, they're the same diameter. And if it's, you know, I do know in the 600, uh, or sorry, the T-Rex 700 Nitro, uh, maybe the electric as well. It's a little bit smaller, still works. You know, just longer set screws. It still works. I've been using torque tubes for skid tubes for a long time. <laughs> it works. Yeah. Um, another check I will do on just a tail drive, just that torque tube assembly, is uh, remove the blades from the helicopter and spool it up. Um, if you can set the heli, you, you want to set the heli down on a, on a hard surface. See if it's wobbling on elevator. If it's wobbling on elevator on the ground, you need to check some stuff in the in the tail in the tail drive system. Um, I'll even go so far as to overdrive the throttle input signal and take it up to a hundred percent, even though that's not the way you fly it, just to see if I can take it into higher RPMs and, and if it'll induce it. I know I've tested balance on things and, and such, and uh, yeah, I've gotten helis to wobble on elevator. 
depending upon like poorly poorly balanced blades or if you're taking your tail over 10,000 RPM, just poor balance on rotating assemblies. So I'll start to show it. So wobble on elevator, definitely go wobble on elevator on like the bench. Get, definitely go check your tail drive system. Um, I've even seen it with a belt. Uh, I had a Goblin 380 I was helping a friend with. It would wobble an elevator on the bench with no blades. Oh, yeah. I would take everything off of the tail. I took everything off of the tail tail that was rotating except for the shaft, so it was still driving the tail. It was still wobbling elevator. When it disengaged the belt, it stopped. Uh, I didn't get quite why, and, and, a, and another friend, another teammate said, dude, check the belt. And yeah, put a different belt in it and it stopped. So Sometimes you can get a belt where um, yeah. it'll get, it can get stretched, and you'll have this weird wobbly spot in it. Yeah, yeah, I had a, um, I actually had that, uh, uh, situation with my fireball. After I crashed it and applied into a fence, the boom separated and the belt was still attached. Put it all bit, bit together. And every time I go to high head speed, it would just, it would, it would elevator wobble like for days. And when I set it down on the bench with the blades off, of course, you know, spooled it up, it was fine. It tracked fine. Soon as I got to that higher RPM, you could see the belt vibrate wildly inside the actual boom. And yes, the belt stretched and it created the, this also, this created this divot in the belt where it thinned down and it's creating this, this harmonic, you know, it's, and it's just, it's going to town with it. So no matter how much you stretch, you stretch it out, cause you can, you know, you just keep on going with the, with the, the tail section, the tail boom, you can just stretch it out more. It doesn't matter. It's got that thin piece now. It's got, it thins down. So you've got this oscillation and it's just going to get worse and worse with the higher head speed. Uh, so yeah, it's just replace the belt. Yeah, I would definitely say that when I was troubleshooting this uh, tail uh, uh, head gain did nothing for it, and um, this was a change. So it was this is an electronic didn't appear to be electronic. Um, this one was so bad that as you increased RPM, the wobble got stronger. You decreased RPM, the w- the wobble got uh, weaker. So it was like okay, it's definitely something mechanical. <laughs> um, yeah, it, but that was that was it was easily it was easily visible and yeah you could change RPMs and it was still there and it would just speed up and slow down. Yeah, when you got your heli home and you're back in the pits and you figured out kind of why it's happened, it's time to look deeper in the bowels of the helicopter. Um, this is when I start looking for odd wear marks or you know I'll look for things like did my motor hit my side frame? Um, you know you'll have weird marks on the motor. You may need to check some bearings. Uh, you got nicks on wires, uh, things shifted out of the way. Like I've seen, I've seen the boom shift forward and hit rotating things. And so <laughs> you're, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta fix all those rotating bits. You gotta go look at them and get them fixed up. You got like, you know, teeth on gears that have marks on them. So when you go to spin those gears, they start making really bad noises, even though the gear is fully intact because it's been hit by something hard. You know, there's, there's, you got to look deeper in the bowels of the helicopter. Start spinning things by hand. Do you feel, do you feel things wrong? Um, you got to spin through it. Do you feel things wrong? Does something sound out of place on sound wise? Yeah. Oh, check your gears. Make sure they don't look like shark's teeth and they actually have like a flat top on top of the gears. Cause I had a bad, I had a bad vibration problem with, uh, with one of my, uh, crown gears on, or, um, Mushroom gears on the E7 on the front torque tube drive train. Uh, it, it started getting that shark tooth effect, and it was creating creating some vibrations and a really bad mesh. Yeah, 
yeah. Other things I'll look at is is to see: Do I have plastic uh, plastic dust on the inside of my frames? Is it near a specific gear? If you start seeing that kind of things, you know, may not it may have been part of the crash, or you may have had some uh, bad wear you didn't notice. Um, and this is his time to look deep in the bowels of the helicopter, especially if you get it disassembled to start just understanding. Uh, I might have. I need to take care of a reassembling that. Right, bit, yeah. Or I might need to replace an extra part. Sometimes sometimes a crash is also a good time to uh, go through the whole entire model and resurface it. You know, replace bearings, replace all bearings and everything, check everything. You know, especially if it's, if it's due for it. Yeah. I know sometimes once I got the rotor head open, um, radial bearings get replaced, uh, they're worn, and uh, well, while I've got while I'm here, all the bearings are getting open, you know, checked. Um uh, you know, sometimes that's just the way it is. Some weekends I haven't crashed and I'll just pull a tail assembly and start working through it. Uh, I'll actually order bearings ahead of time and just have new bearings in hand, just pull something and start replacing parts in it before the crash even happens. So the next part here is, of course, you got it home, you started tearing it apart, you've gotten all your parts ordered. It, hopefully you've dug deeper into it or else you're going to run into the inevitable. I got all my parts, I started putting them in, I found more parts I need. <laughs> You're always going to get into that situation. Uh, yeah. Sadly, as prepared as we are, you get into it. Uh, I know the best way I've really gotten around it is if you got enough history with a model, you'll start understanding what things what breaks, what fails, tweaked, and that you miss that you miss on your initial or subsequent uh, inspection. And you keep stocks of that. You have them on hand, so as you're assembling the model. You, yeah, you get stocks of it. You, you, you reassemble your model. You go, oh, I missed that. Oh, I have it right here. <laughs> uh, it's a safety net. Yeah. Um, after you got your model assembled, now's a good time to start doing bench spool-up checks. Uh, I take the blades off and start spooling it up on a table. I like to do it on plastic tables or wood tables. Um, I like to watch to see things like, does the heli dance on the table? Uh, once it's up to the operating head speed, is it moving across the table? Uh, these are signs that your helicopter has vibration issues. You need to troubleshoot them. You missed something in the crash or something was there you missed before. But basically, your model has a vibration problem you need to deal with. If it dances on a table, you need to deal with it. Other things I'll look for is... Do I have servos drifting even though I'm giving no inputs during bench spool ups? Um, I've seen rudder, I've seen rudder tail servos drift. I've seen cyclic drift. Um, you'll just start to see odd drifts on servos. Is it your servos problem? I'll throw other servos in, see if the other servos do it. Uh, when it comes to cyclic servos, I'll move them around on ports to see if is something specific to uh, maybe to that port on the on the controller, or if is it the servo? Um, but yeah, I'm looking for vibrations, wobbles, hums, uh, anything on the bench that's different than normal. These are also things you know. Spooling it up on the bench is something I do when I build a heli. Um, I may not remember very well what it sounded like, but I do usually. You can usually spot that like that noise is different. I've never heard that before. You know, uh, you know, look, for, look, look for that. Your model wobbles, bobbles, hums. Uh, your tail fin is two millimeters thick, but for some reason, when you spooled up your full RPM, it's one inch thick. Yeah, uh, you got vibrations. You need to deal with them. 
the last thing I'll give here is a great piece of advice given given to me by uh, a great pilot is wobbles are usually the head, hum is the tail. That makes perfect sense because the tail spins at a faster RPM. It's going to be a much higher frequency. Yep. In wobbles, wobbles also include wag. I know I, uh, you know, another great tip I got from uh, another great pilot was uh, keep a notebook, write things down of things you learn, things you may not remember later that um, is not searchable on the internet. You know, <laughs> fun things in a psychology class right now. And, you know, when, when we know things, like when we're told something that you can go look up later on the internet, you won't remember it. And so when you start dealing with wobbles and bobbles and hums and everything, uh, you're not necessarily going to find it on the internet. And so it's something worth writing down. So I've got a, I've got a small little paragraph of items I've written down for places to check, like wobbles on elevator. Oh, yeah. Belted, check the belt. If torque tube, check the gear to shaft fitment. Uh, aileron wobble. Yeah. Yeah, Rob, you know, you know that I have when, when we were working on my E7 there, uh, 2016, when I was having all those problems, you saw that I would write down everything you would tell me, like things we tweaked with things we did to it. I, I would write it down in my, in, in my little, uh, mm-hmm. my little journal here, uh, and just keep notes of it. So if I know if I ever had to go back in that problem, yep. I, I go back to my notes like, Hey, that's okay. So this is what I do. Okay. And I, and I, I mean, I go through those notes. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've got on here about, you know, the elevator. We're talking about a wobbling. Check your belt. Check uh, a torque tube. Check a gear to shaft fitment. Uh, If you're dealing with torque tube to the to the gear fitment. Yeah. Check that. If it's too tight, it may not be allowing the shaft to float like it needs to. The the torque. Well, not shaft. I mean, torque tube. Uh, Aileron wobble. Check your rotor head thrust bearings. Uh, Also for aileron wobble. Check your washers in your head for deformation. Uh, DePaulo probably remembers this last Urcha. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, had some washers deforming on the uh, blade bolts on the feather that spindle blade fun. bolts. Yeah, uh, it wasn't noticeable. They were good for the first few flights, and all of a sudden this wobble showed up, and they had washers deforming. Um, tail wag, all RPMs and gains and hover. Uh, if if all RPMs and all the gains in, in in a hover, if you're getting tail wag, check your main shaft bearings. I have this written down. Last one I have written down was uh, aileron roll. So if you got drift on your aileron in a hover, check motor bearings. Mm, I've had motor yeah. bearings. Yeah. I've had motor bearings that were going bad, and uh, the model would roll on aileron uh, always the same direction, right side up and inverted. Really? That's, that's, um, a, that's strange. <laughs> yep. My aileron, though. Uh, I mean, I can understand not elevator, but I mean, I, I, I would think maybe like rudder or something causing a wag. Uh, I had a rudder, I had a rudder drift years ago. Uh, it would happen on the bench. I could spool the helicopter up and I would watch it without blades. I would spool it up and the tail servo would just go to the same side every time. And it was like, what is this? I pulled the rotor head and the swash plate off the model. And it stopped doing tail drift. I then put the swash plate back on the model and the tail drift showed back up. Um, and just for, just for grins and giggles, I actually backed the motor away from the main shaft. And I did this before I had thought about putting the swash back in and I spun the motor up between the frames without the main shaft going. And of course it had no drift. It turned out I had a swash bearing that had, uh, 
failed. It had gone. It was worn. It was worn. And uh, it was causing tail drift in a hover. Yeah, uh, it didn't matter. I could I could hold hands off controls and the tail would drift in flight in a hover. When I put it on the bench and spooled it up without blades, it would drift. <laughs> Turned out it was a swashplate burn. Wow. You know what? I think I had that problem too because my, my swashplate was starting to go out on my E7. You run into these things. When you run into these things, you troubleshoot them down to what they finally are. Write them down. You'll find that you're going to get a, a small little list of, well, I was doing this and it showed itself as this. Because um, here's the thing. You fix something, it doesn't mean it's never going to happen again. You're going to run into this problem again eventually, whether it's the next crash or it's 100 flights later. These parts are not they are not going to last forever. They're going to wear out again. And eventually, you're going to come across that same problem. Maybe, maybe years down the road, if you still have the same model or a different model that's very similar – you're going to come across that problem and you're going to like, dang, I remember this. What, what, what did I do? Well, if you wrote it down, you would have known. And also, not only that, maybe yeah. it isn't that problem. Maybe what you wrote down isn't going to fix it. You know, you can go through the process of elimination. What do I need to do? What is the, are the possibilities? Okay, well, I got this, this, and this to try out. Okay, it's not this. It's not this. It might be this. Oh, but it's not. Well, okay, I'll look further. But right now I know this isn't the problem. Yeah. Um, last part of this is after you got your heli uh, all buttoned back up, you've done your bench spool up checks, you take it out of the field and you maidened it. Um, if you have a smooth maiden, congratulations, you solved all, you resolved all the problems of the model. It's ready to fly. Now go beat it up and crash it again. <laughs> you got wobbles, bobbles, hums, blade tracking issues. Well, we just went over a lot of things that could make a model wobble. Or bobble, or wag. If you're dealing with hum issues, you're dealing with things that are spinning at high speeds. You're you're typically into your tailcase. Uh, you're typically into your tailcase, your torque tube, maybe even the front transmission. This is a case of you need to start checking. You need to start checking all the rotating assemblies with your tail that are causing a hum. Um, or you may need to switch out tail blades. Sadly, some models. Some models and manufacturers have better quality control on certain things than others, and bad stuff does kind of slip out. Or things that meet the quality control check, they 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 meet the check, but in your operational environment, they do not pass muster. <laughs> you know, one of the things is uh, for main blades to be a match coming out of fun key, it's my understanding they have to be within half a gram of one another. Half a gram sounds like a lot of weight, but it's a match. Um, and most of us won't notice, depending upon the flight style environment we're in, but you might run lower head speeds or you might have a very quiet model. Something just operationally different and these things will start to stick out. All that to say, if you start seeing hums, start going through your tail stuff. If you see wobbles, wobbles, bobbles, wags, well, like I said, start checking your shafts, start checking your bearings. Um, last up is if everything seemed to work on the bench and you find you have a tracking issue, big thing that that has come to learn recently. Um, a lot of times, uh, for a lot of us, we use a SoCo tool or you may use the RC, um, RC logger pitch gauge, um, run your pitch through its full, uh, range. Check on both blades. Is it identical? Um, you may, you may need to check your first blade, check and see if you got like positive 12 and negative 12 degrees of pitch. 
okay, check that one, take the pitch gauge off the heli, uh, put uh, rotate the head to this, it's rotate the next blade in the same position as your last one, check it again. Does the other one do like neg- or positive 11 and negative 13? Same orientation, just a different blade grip. This starts to speak of, well, okay, when I have it at neutral, it is, it's, it's, they both match. But when I go through my full pitch range, all of a sudden they don't match each other. Um, this is a good sign that you have unequal pitch links. You know, use, use, uh, calipers with, uh, pitch link attachments on them to check and make sure you have equal length pitch links on your rotor head. Are they equal? Yes. If they're equal and you still have uneven pitch on your rotor head, then something mechanically is wrong in it. Start checking your pitch arms. Start checking your pitch arms. They're usually the that's usually where it's at. If if you replace your pitch arms, you still have it. I'm sorry to say you might have a bad blade grip. Or you didn't replace a spindle and you have a tweak spindle in there and it's not allowing it's 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 showing itself. I got one. Basically this is mechanical. Go for it. So after a crash I had with the E7SC, uh, I had it flying, and it was flying fine, like it should. And so it was like, okay, cool, I, I got everything fixed. Started flying it, having a blast. And I got maybe like, I want to say five flights in, and then I started having this weird uh, head bobble. You remember that, Rob? I'll take it up, and it just kind of start just spiking in certain directions, uh, just randomly just kind of jerking in, 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 in weird directions. Uh, it wasn't the blades. I tried different blades, tried different tail blades. Wasn't the problem. Torque tube was fine. Bearings were good. Uh, dampers were brand new. Thrust bearings were brand new. Uh, everything seemed to be fine. And it took me a while to really figure this out. But my tail gear mesh was screwed up. And, you know, like I said, I was having some weird vibration problems with my, my, uh, front torque tube drive gears being, you know, just pushed and I got the shark tooth effect. On the on the crown the mushroom gear, uh, replaced that problems fixed. I mean the, the mesh was fine. The mesh was there. It was good. It was it was clean, but it it wasn't getting the right bite, and it was causing these off vibrations. Weird as it sounds, it 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 was it was messing with it, and it was creating the head the the, the twitch almost. So the the big thing here is big thing here is that both links going up to the rotor head should be equal length. If they are not equal length. And you get your blazer track, you should probably start going through the mechanics of the heli. They should be equal length and you should get blazer track. If they don't track, you seem to have a problem. And, and yeah, you can see that on the bench. If your heli shakes or wobbles after you made it, you skipped over some things. I'm sorry to say it's time to go backwards and fix them up. <laughs> Anyone have anything else to add here? Hmm. I think it covers it pretty well, actually. It does pretty good. Or you could do what Mike did and repaired his crashed E5 from 10-gauge wire in a camper. Yeah, that was fun. You got it going. Don't attack. I did, yeah, but uh, yeah, don't, atta- don't attack your flag without first checking if it's not 10-gauge wire. Critical lesson there. It's important. That's why we keep on bringing it up in every, every, every episode, because it's very important. It is funny. <laughs> in hindsight, it was funny. I mean... Inverted punch out, flipped it over, altered it down, and anything. Anyone want to say anything else about wobbles, wobbles, bobbles, shakes, uh, rattles, and rolls? Anything else? Yeah, gets bad. Fix it and go fly again.
And don't spend a year and a half just crying about it like I did a long time ago. Anyway, all right. All right, close out. What we got? Okay. Uh, upcoming events. We are attending and or running. Uh, first up is Mid-Atlantic Heli Championships. Uh, that's uh, Father's Day weekend, July 14, 15. Yep. Uh, so all your fathers will be home for Father's Day. So go ask if you have Friday and Saturday. Yep. <laughs> yep. And it's going to be at the Fredericksburg Area RC Club. Yep. Um, yep. That one, uh, we leave the opposite flight line we are not on open. We will end up on both flight lines so that we can fly without the sun in our right. eyes. So the rest of the field is still open to playing, guys. Um, next up after that is a Dragonfly Fun Fly. I enjoy that event. It's down North Carolina. Um, I want to say it's outside of uh, – oh, what big city is that outside of, Mike? Winston-Salem. Winston-Salem. That's right. Outside Winston-Salem. Um, that one's a lot of fun. Great field. They got a they got a large diesel generator that powers the pit area. So um, there's mostly there's 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 enough uh, there's enough plugins preferred for pretty much everyone to charge. That's cool. They got enough power for everyone to charge if you can fit there. But once the big once the event is starting big enough and people are in canopies, uh, not underneath that area, then yeah, you need to bring a generator. Nice field, great people, a lot of fun. Bring your bug spray. Uh, also remember, it's humid, but I like it. It's a fun event. Um, after that is Heli's Over Delaware. H-O-D. H-O-D. That's uh, another event we're planning on. Yeah. That's a good event. Yeah. Uh, past that, I'm pretty sure at this point on the Telerotor RC, uh, Telerotor RC Facebook page, I have uh, – Links to the top, the 2018 Heli Calendar spreadsheet that you can check out on Google Drive. Um, so you can check out upcoming events. Uh, definitely say it's uh, it's fun fly season. Oh, yes, it uh, is. It's June. If you're not getting out there and flying, I'm sorry. Okay. And uh, What are you doing with your life? Harder. <laughs> ah, there's guys who end up doing home repairs or maybe this is their season for their work, does all their work. So... <laughs> yep 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 and for that it's understandable fly when you can but dude i got like an event every other week for the past until like the end of no until yep. like the end of september no until the beginning of october oh my gosh last thing to say is we post up on the um rc heli hangout forum under the podcast section next to our friends at uh freefall rc uh full pitch rc and uh, RC Heli Hooligans. Usually we like to try and put some trivia up there about an episode. It really depends on whether or not we remember any trivia to put up there. And uh, pass that. Enjoy your flying. And thank you, everyone. See you later, guys. End it, Mike. Remember, you've got a reference if you want to smash. So do it in confidence now. <laughs> put it in. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And all you listeners, all you listeners, email us. Email us. Email us or hit us on Facebook at a PM and give us something you want to hear. And how would they do that if they'd like to email us? Oh, God. I got to go remember an email address. <laughs> Just a moment. <laughs> and if they'd like to email us, how would they do that, Rob? Telerotor at gmail.com. Send it. Send it and send us an email. Send us an email. Say hi. 
Tell us you got a question. I happily would love to see more questions. Any of the podcasts would love to see more questions. Figure out their email address. Spam them. Use all capital letters because then it'll reference yelling at, Mo- at Monty and being his true habitat. Don't yell at him. Don't spam him. Just uh, write us an email. Say, say hi. Tell us you want to hear more stuff. Uh, give us constructive feedback. Yes. Feedback that just says you suck is sucky feedback. Get into <laughs> detail. We want to hear detail. The details. I don't want to hear about the chrome that's on your lips. Stop talking about the line vacuum cleaner and just give us dang burn details of what you want to ask. Welcome to the bloopers for this episode. We recommend you listen to them in private as the audio is loud and the subject matter a bit sophomoric. Enjoy. Here. She would too. She she would find a bit of Polish Mike's pipe. Or Mark's pipe. Her whole family is crazy like mine. Oh, 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 God. I'm standing up thinking about this. You know who loves to polish pipes? Merrick. (laughs) Merrick. And if you're and if you act some extra dice, he'll yes. polish your crankshaft. <laughs> he only hey, he only wants a couple of dollars to polish your pipe. He told me that I was propositioned, my friend. Is that legal in the state <laughs> of Virginia? No, no. He man, he mess it. He he mentioned that he has rust on the goblin shafts. Ask him if he'll polish goblin. Is shafts. he gonna polish his goblin shaft? <laughs> Dude, I'm gonna right. I'm gonna do this right Just now. A second, I'll be I'm back. Gonna do this. Mike, I'm going. I'm gonna do right, it. Cool. I, this. Do it. Do it and send me screenshots. Wait, screenshots or what? I need to see it. Hold on. While you're doing that, I'm going to take my headset off. Should I really do this, Mike? Mike? Should I really do mm-hmm. this? I have it typed out. Should I really do this? What? Hit that send button. Are you sure? This is for the whole hangout. Are you sending? It's good. You'll see okay. it in a minute. It's good. Okay. It's 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 sending. Send it. It's, it's up. You should be able to see it in a few minutes or a few seconds. Yep, there it goes. Oh man, I have to take this down real quick. So, <laughs> oh, I gotta see this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's all I can say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'd even take out the ha 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 part so it's deadpan okay. funny. Just do a qu- do a quick edit on that thing. <laughs> there we go. Save. Ah uh, yes. <laughs> nice. No one's seen it. No one's liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Give him a second. No one. Especially Mark, you'd be like the first one. You'd be like, what the? F-? <laughs> I saved. Important people have been tagged in this. Oh, someone, someone, I got, I got, I got a ding. Oh, you. <laughs> tagging important people. But oh, have no, a, that's have a vested interest <laughs> in Jack Shafts. He's going to escalate it so worse. Doug has a vested interest in Jack Shafts. It's 15. It's 15. <laughs> oh god, I, I wanna I wanna write I thought your pimp said twenty. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> 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 Way to be a good sport, Mark. 
yeah. Did okay. mine come up yet? Disappointed in our early people. It came up. It's up. Oh, is it up? Oh, yeah, it's up. Is it up, baby? Oh, yeah, it's up now. <laughs> it's up there. Yeah. Uh, it's up. Uh, Just oh, like yeah, that. It's up. Go ahead, hold my beer. <laughs> Quick, hold my beer. Yeah, yeah. I can get up. That's it. Where is it? <laughs> Ball sack trophy. Merrick wants to pull on my jack shaft. Can I do a bull quarter? <laughs> Dude, ask him, is there a special cost for, cost for cracking shaft? <laughs> cracking shaft. <laughs> well, see, here's the thing. He's got a... Hey, hey, he's Anyone got a goblin right now. now. He's got two main shafts. He's got the main shaft and the secondary shaft. Mm. Hey, Mike. If you try to get a hard shaft back into shape, may I suggest your mother? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, damn. What about an arbor press? <sighs> Just saying. Just saying. I'm going to go upstairs up and ask her right now. <laughs> Mom! <laughs> okay. The last gentleman on the internet suggested you could help you with this problem. <laughs> Shaggy's just sitting in the corner like, who are these people? <laughs> Why? Who are all of you? <laughs> Why? Oh. Uh, okay. Moving on. So we did the intro. Okay. So. So what'd you do since the last podcast episode? We did the intro. I said moving past the intro. I did the f- intro. Well, I mean, it was <sighs> such a so great hard intro. Edit. Because of you guys. <laughs> I have hours and hours of useless f- audio because you f- this is literally episode two all over again. Have enough useless all over yet. again. We had crap. Re- we had a crap re- uh, recording, yes. and then you we started re- it. Then we re-recorded. You started it. Okay, fine. I started you this started one, but it. it didn't. I didn't mean it. To you escalate started to this. it. Shaggy did actually sh- start. Oh my this. gosh! Oh my I regret everything. <laughs> I regret everything. <laughs> I regret. <laughs> Bye. Well, you gotta, you gotta embrace you. You gotta embrace your inner chicken. So since we did to the last recording, I put up a thread on on the Facebook Heli uh, Hangout saying, "Rumor has it Mark Kuniki will polish your jack shaft for ten dollars," and that it blew up. Oh yeah, it blew up. Well, it's been there for forty nine minutes now. I think you should take it down. <laughs> but of course, he corrected me and said, "No, it's fifteen dollars." There we go. This is shaggy right now. I'm not even. I'm not even looking. <laughs> I want to get back to the episode. All right, all right, all right, all right. We'll, 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 we'll start that bit clean so it sounds. Oh, like- f- <laughs> what is wrong with you? What is wrong with I'm not sure what's wrong with Monty right now. Get him a golf cart. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Don't give him a chair. He'll he'll, he'll find he'll find Travis Reyes. Out. Start beating him with it. Like he did it, like he did it, Archer twenty six. Oh wow! <laughs> Does this guy actually do it? What? Does he really do it? 